Today's show is brought to you by IBM. By the end of this podcast, nearly 10,000 new malware variants will have launched. Now AI can help protect your data from threats wherever it lives with IBM Security. Let's put smart to work. Learn more at ibm.com smart. Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, editor-at-large at Recode. You may know me as someone who might run for Congress just so I can ask Mark Zuckerberg better questions the next time he testifies, but in my spare time, I talk tech. And you're listening to Recode Decode from the Vox Media Podcast Network. Today in the red chair is Congressman Ro Khanna, who represents California's 17th Congressional District, which is the key one. He's been on the show before, but I wanted to have him back on to talk about a project he's working on called the Internet Bill of Rights. And everything else that's going on in Washington right now, Congressman, welcome back to Recode Decode. Great to be on. The Congress could have used you for questions. Yes, I could have. I was like, I sat, you don't know, I was screaming at the television. It was like I was watching like Game of Thrones or something. Um, it was ast- an astonishing display of idiocy. I don't know how else well, to say Well, I, I think the country started out by thinking, wow, Facebook has really done something wrong. And by the end of the hearing, uh, they, the Congressman Mark Zuckerberg looked sympathetic because it looked like the Congress was totally out of touch. Right, and exactly. It, and, uh, you know, you would never say, if someone were to call a LeBron James LeBron Jameson, mm-hmm. you wouldn't say they don't know <laughs> basketball. You'd say, where, what world are they living in? So right. first you had people mispronouncing his name. Mm-hmm. Then you had people asking, what is a cookie? Mm-hmm. Uh, how does Facebook make money? And the biggest thing I didn't understand is they were like, tell us how we should regulate you. You. That was my favorite one. You know, oh, well, <laughs> there were so many moments. We're going to go through yes, them all. Right, right. So we're going to talk about the Internet Bill of Rights in a second. But I do want to talk about the hearings because one of the things that was amazing is before it started, um, I was the one that made Mark Zuckerberg sweat with Walt Mossberg yes. in that famous interview. And all the coverage was like, will he sweat? Can he answer questions? And I was like— I, look, he can. He can wear a suit. He can actually—he's an adult and everything else. And so I was talking about the, the juvenilization of tech— billionaires, essentially, that we treat them like with kick gloves. But what I was struck by in the hearings, and let's go through a couple of things, was one, the lack of information about what they did. That was right. astonishing. Lack of preparation. Two, the lack of focus on the real topics, um, the obsession with terms of service, uh, on cookies, on things that did not matter for right. what's going on right now. And then third was that taking of his information as fact, that, like we do not sell information, Congressman, which Technically, he doesn't, but he does, like right. kind of stuff. And then, lastly, that they didn't really that they were asking for his help in terms of doing this, which was sort of like letting the fox guard the chicken coop. So let's go through through that because I'm using because he's testifying today in the UK, and this is going to go on for a while. Right? Why do you imagine? I think it's too much of an excuse that they don't know the area because you you represent the area. Yeah, and I, you know, I'm not a techie by background. I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't think you have to. Uh, know how to code to ask tough questions. I mean, Mm -hmm. members of Congress ask tough questions of the financial industry, and they aren't, uh, haven't worked in the financial industry or the healthcare industry. I think there are a few things. One, some of these folks have actually not lived on these platforms. Mm -hmm. So it's not just that they don't uh, know it. It's that they have staff delegated to uh, go on Facebook or uh, Twitter or other social media platforms. So they don't have hands-on experience. Mm -hmm. And how would you make laws for traffic if you've never driven? So there's part of it is just uh, being uh, not not actually having a sense of experience. The second thing is people are so afraid of being portrayed as out of touch, as not uh, part of the future. Mm -hmm. And I think Silicon Valley has given that patina of being part of the future. It's why Bill Mm -hmm. Clinton came out there, Obama came out there. Mm -hmm. So there was a reluctance to push back on uh, on Zuckerberg, uh, and they took some of his answers 
uh, as fact. And there was almost too much of a deference to uh, techno-speak, whereas this is much more about values. What mm-hmm. I've said is the Internet security or consumers' privacy are too important to leave it to 30-year-old entrepreneurs. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not their job. It's and the they job also the don't Congress. want to do it. Interesting, Mark has talked about now. I think he should have values. He right. does not. He does not. He feels like he should not be responsible for the platform he made. And, you know, my argument is, listen, Dr. Frankenstein, you made the monster. You're going to have to help us work with right. it, like kind of thing. Um, so when you talk in those hearings, what do you think happened there? What do you think the result is going to be? Because I don't think there's going to be any result from that. Well, I think, unfortunately, the result to, to some of people like Mark and others as well, Congress isn't going to do anything. We can probably right. skate. Mm-hmm. That uh, they asked these questions, we survived for two days, and now what? Mm-hmm. And let's just keep kicking the uh, can down the, uh, uh, you know, uh, and delaying. Mm-hmm. I mean, that uh, was, I think, the unfortunate result. And that's why uh, when we spoke to Leader Pelosi, she said, we've got to come out with some principles, Internet Bill of Rights, and then some legislation to let people know we're serious. So let's talk about what those priorities are. So privacy would be one of them. Privacy would be one of them. I mean, they, so the Obama administration tried this twice, mm-hmm. and it didn't go anywhere. So mm-hmm. this has happened before. But the the basic things is when, when you want to get your health care data, mm-hmm. uh, you're able to get your uh, healthcare data. You can tell people if you want to uh, switch from one doctor to another, you have the right to do that. When you want to get your financial data, you have the ability to do that. People should be able to get uh, basic access to their data online. They should be able to, you should have basic consent on certain forms of uh, when that data is collected or mm-hmm. when it's transferred. It doesn't have to be as far as the GDPR. It doesn't have to be on every use case where you know, you may be clicking too many times. If any time you're seeing an ad, any time you're seeing something, you're having to click. Uh, but it definitely should be more than just once on the original uh, use of that data. You should be able to move your data if you want. You should be able to uh, uh, make sure that uh, you can delete your data. Mm-hmm. You can update your data. So I think there are some very basic things. And I say, you know, on the homepage, just like when you get into a taxi cab, you see those passenger bill mm-hmm. of rights, you should see it. Here are your rights uh, on on these platforms. Mm-hmm. So privacy is an issue in this Internet Bill of Rights. What else? Private privacy, privacy. Uh, the the sense of portability, uh, portability, the uh, ability to uh, correct or delete accuracy, mm-hmm. security mm-hmm. Uh, of your information, uh, I, and then uh, net neutrality is a part of it. In that you want to make sure that you have access, access. to mm-hmm. uh, th- to the internet. Uh, now, I think people confuse. You know, there are, there's a net neutrality with competition. I think mm-hmm. we also need a competition aspect where mm-hmm. you have multiple uh, as service options. But you can't talk about net neutrality in the context of uh, Google in this sense. What would net neutrality look like? It would mean randomized search. So mm-hmm. the very sense of having an algorithm that orders search is not neutral. I think net neutrality applies to... Uh, the internet service providers, but then to the edge providers having uh, real competition, having mm-hmm. multiple platforms and allowing right. that to emerge. And, uh, you know, Metcalf's law, as you know, the, the value of a network uh, increases exponentially mm-hmm. uh, with the size. Right. And so when you have two billion people, it's hard to compete. Right. And what are we going to do to foster the... So why a Bill of Rights? Explain what the thinking was. I mean, I know she, Speaker Pelosi has said this, but what's the goal of it? Because one would I imagine, like, let's just, if the Democrats get in, do actual legislation. Right. Like you would on a cigarette maker or anybody else, kind of stuff like that. Well, before we get to legislation, we've got to agree on the principles, right? right. So we could say you have the right to 
uh, your data, and then we need to figure out, okay, if we agree What's to that, that how are you going to define data? Do you have mm -hmm. a right to your name? Well, probably in some cases, but not in all cases. Do you mm -hmm. have what is personal information? So the the legislative process, which is the goal, which is to actually have legislation guarding privacy, mm -hmm. protecting net neutrality, having competition. We're so far from that. I mean, yeah. the, the no, candid truth, we, we, we haven't even, we don't even have the principles mm -hmm. right now. We don't even have a sense of uh, when should we have consent? When mm -hmm. should we people have the right to, the, to their own data? When should we have uh, the ability to move data? Mm -hmm. And Obama tried it twice and failed and didn't right. get anywhere. So Pelosi's point is at least let's get the principles. Mm -hmm. Let's get some of the tech leaders on board. And I've uh, you know, I've talked to uh, folks uh, at Apple, at Google, at Facebook, at all of these companies. I'd like, ideally, Tim Cook and Sundar and others to to say, yes, we can at least get by the behind these principles. The next step would be, uh, let's get legislation. Mm -hmm. but, so so yeah. you have to set out the rules. Why has this not been done before, from your perspective, from Congress? They're happy to take the money from the tech people. Well, I think there is... I think when Snowden happened, the culture shifted. This is the Edward other, Snowden. Yeah, the, Edward Snowden and, 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 and privacy. He became affiliated with privacy in the Beltway, mm -hmm. and I think there was a, not as much of a momentum to, to, to care about privacy. So some of the conversation shifted because he became uh, a poster child for it. Uh, and it was only after the uh, Equifax scandal and the and the scandal with Cambridge Analytica that people mm -hmm. said, "Look, this is a a big deal. We need to do something." But there's a, it's a very complex issue with a lot of different interests, and uh, and Congress has been uh, unwilling to uh, to move something. I mean, that's so, the truth. And also, I think tech people have been unwilling. I, I just had Michael Hayden, a former CIA director and NSA director, and he was saying that these companies always felt extraterritoriality. They didn't feel like they were part of the country. They just operated on their own, and they wanted to have their own rules. And now they, of course, have been pulled rather starkly into the into the equation because of their impact on it. Now, we've talked about this before. I think they uh, didn't pay sufficient attention to the country, and that's mm -hmm. why we had, in part, a reaction in this 2016 election mm -hmm. where people across the country said, what about us? Right. Where do we fit in in a knowledge digital economy? Where right. is our livelihood? And that, to me, still is the biggest mm -hmm. challenge. Uh, where is the Moore's law going to be for job creation in places left behind. Right. But in addition to the economic dislocation, uh, now people are saying, wow, these, these platforms are still interesting and great. Most people, uh, I think average Americans like FaceTime. Uh, they like their Amazon. They like Facebook. They still enjoy these products. The delete Facebook movement didn't really gain no. much traction, and when I, and I, you know, when I talk to my cousins in Ohio or my uh, aunt or uncle, they they use this stuff and they often uh, like the products, but they also realize the dangers of it. Right? Mm -hmm. They realize, wow, our kids are getting addicted to this stuff at such a young age. Uh, we don't have really a control over what we're doing online. We have to make sure that this new world we have some uh, grasp over. And then young people were offended for the first time. They, young people, I don't think, care about privacy as mm -hmm. much. But they thought, wow, our data was manipulated possibly to support a candidate uh, whose values we didn't agree with. That's that's scary that that's happening. And so I think uh, people are waking up to saying, OK, we need to have some rules mm -hmm. in this new new world. And then they look to the Congress and they said, Wow, those are the folks who are going right, to be who are writing making these these rules. rules. And so this is the concept behind it. So talk about the process, because you guys aren't in power, from what I understand, from, from what I've noticed. <laughs> uh, 
Yep, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, that might change. <laughs> that might change. Well, the process is we're gonna we've come out with five or six principles that are uh, th- that we're working on. We're getting feedback from uh, Center of Public Knowledge, uh, Democracy and Technology, some of the nonprofits, uh, Electronic Frontier Foundation. So you just went out to everyone and said, none of whom agree, but go none ahead. Of, right, yeah. none of whom agree. Right. Uh, it, it, at first, I started. I reached out to Nicole Wong and. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alexander McKilvery, who were the deputy CTOs in Obama's administration and Todd Park, and I was uh, taking Obama's name in the Congress, and then mm-hmm. someone came up to me and said, Ro, don't talk about Obama <laughs> Congress. <laughs> we want to get Congress on board. Yeah. That's yeah. not going to do it. But they, there are a lot of people who are thoughtful. So we're we're getting their feedback. We're getting I'm getting the tech leaders' feedback. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've said we're open to getting your thoughts. And uh, the ideal situation is... I would want, think their thoughts is let us do whatever we want, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah, well, that's not going to fly, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, uh, right. okay, if it's... Uh, th- th- this is... What I tell them is this is coming out one way or the other. Mm-hmm. It'd be great if you get on board with it. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you have uh, a legitimate uh, criticism, let me give you a legitimate criticism that uh, folks had, which made us slightly change uh, the language. We had uh, be notified in a breach immediately. Mm-hmm. And they said, well, it should be as soon as you know possible within three days. I said, okay, that's reasonable. If there's a breach, you don't have to within 20 seconds notify right. it within 48 hours is fine. But so, not never, but which, not is what, never. which is their practice which now. Is, right, yeah. which, is, uh, which is their practice now, right, exactly. I mean, they... So, you know, interesting, when the Yahoo breach happened, the reason I got that scoop is because one of the engineers was so upset they weren't releasing the information, so they told me. Yeah. Like, because they, cause Yahoo was dragging its heels on doing that. That's not surprising. And yeah. think about how different the context would have been if Facebook had to be no, had to notify people about the breach. Mm-hmm. And, uh, people would have been, could have changed the consequences of that election. I mm-hmm. mean, the New York Times, others would have been writing about the Cambridge Analytica scandal mm-hmm. uh, on notification or if they have to notify the FTC. So there mm-hmm. has to be some notification requirement. So, but the process is before the re- August recess, uh, let's come out with principles. Uh, we'll get um, a lot of the Democratic caucus, uh, hopefully, behind it. Uh, and ideally, I'd like to see Tim Cook, Cheryl, Sundar, Satya, uh, some of these tech leaders come out for it and mm-hmm. say, we're, uh, we're committed to this framework. And what I tell them, you know, this is overly simplistic, but what I say is, in the United States, we have too few clicks. Europe probably has too many clicks, and the balance is in between. Right. Uh, you know, so Europe, you got to... You go to shop. I was buying my uh, wife a Mother's Day gift. I went to some European website. I had to click 15 times on mm-hmm. consent for this, consent for that. Yeah. Okay, not the end of the world. It's a little bit annoying. Right. Here, you don't, after the initial agreement, you basically are signing your life away. No, download your information now. Yeah. All right, we're here with uh, Congressman Ro Khanna. We're talking about the Internet Bill of Rights that he's working on. We're talking about that and more other things that are happening in tech. Um, he represents California's 17th district. Uh, when we get back. Today's show is brought to you by IBM. We live in a world that's creating AI-enabled everything, a world with more IoT devices than people. Today, technology has never been smarter, but smart only matters when you put it to work where it matters. When we put smart to work, we can help save species, increase crop yields, and make progress, not just for a few of us, but for all of us. So let's get to it. Let's put smart to work. Find out how at ibm.com slash smart. I'd also like to tell you about one of our other podcasts, Recode Media with Peter Kafka. Peter, who did you talk to this week? Hey, Kara. Guess who's on the show this week? Wait, 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 wait. He'll tell you. Peter Kafka. No, Peter Kafka's always on the show. That's oh. Ezra Klein. Yeah, me too. Ezra, what do we talk about? We're talking about our new Netflix show, Explained. 
it's an awesome conversation. Ezra told me he had a heart out after an hour. He went past an hour because Ezra is so interesting. Um, rather than summarize what... I talk too long. Rather than what, summarize what Ezra and I talked about, you should just listen to the show. It's great. We talk about everything. Deal? Deal. All right. Ezra was happy. You're happy. Thanks. You guys will enjoy. Sounds great, Peter. You can find Recode Media on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play Music, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We're here with Congressman Ro Conahy, represents California's 17th District. Tell people where that is. I know where it is. But That's go. Sunnyville, Cupertino, Santa Clara, Sliver Mountain View. All Freeman, the internet. All, all the internet. Are belong all to Apple, you. Google, Intel, right. Yahoo. Yeah. So do you consider yourself a fan of tech or do you have to yes. be? Being- well, no, I mean, I, I, don't, I, I assume I probably wouldn't get elected if I wasn't, but I genuinely am a technology optimist. I mean, mm-hmm. I believe that... Uh, technology is going to help empower individuals to have better information and better connectivity. Uh, I look at the Parkland kids who have mm-hmm. used these platforms to mobilize. Uh, and uh, and I don't know if I would have won for Congress if it weren't for uh, tech platforms. I don't know if Bernie Sanders would have done as well or mm-hmm. Obama. Mm-hmm. That said, I think there has been – I'm not a – unabashed apologist. Right. And I have come out and Which said... Which older congressman in the day would have been because all the companies are there. They're, right. Yeah. I mean, and and they, and they I have been critical of mm-hmm. tech when it comes to doing more for internet privacy and our rights, but also when it comes to doing more for jobs in places left behind. Mm-hmm. The knowledge digital economy's problem is it's too uh, exclusive. There, mm-hmm. they, if, if we're going through this transformation from an industrial to a digital age, and there are only certain places that are getting to participate mm-hmm. in the unleashing of creativity and ingenuity and all the great things that the knowledge tech economy uh, allows, and so many people are being left out, mm-hmm. that's a huge issue. And it's an issue for tech leaders to grapple with and figure out. And I think they need to do more to to, to rise up to that challenge. When you think about it, the Democrats were so friendly to, to tech. It, yeah. was, it was a much friendlier environment. What's, what's really interesting to me is to see them being much... Now, I'm not saying... President Trump is very friendly to tech because he's not. He's oddly negative, which is interesting because they're big businesses. And Although, okay. can I share a story yeah, which sure. I, I, I don't think it'll get me in trouble? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I had gone to meet with the, the president uh, the with a bipartisan group on term limits, a different issue. And guess mm-hmm. who was right there before our meeting? Mm-hmm. Tim Cook. Right. And so he the president— the president, in a moment of when I've never seen him be self-deprecating, says mm-hmm. to the five or six of us members of Congress, he says, oh, you don't want to meet the president of the United States. you got to meet Tim Cook, the person who's going to be the first trillion-dollar trillion uh, company, mm-hmm. which made me think two things. One, he probably does respect deep down some of these tech companies. Mm-hmm. And two, what has happened to our values? I thought we used to admire people like Rachel Carson and <laughs> Jane Goodall, and now— you know, this is just the the celebration of wealth. Look, I yeah. love Tim Cook, but yeah. you know that the, the yeah. Uh, yeah. it gave me a mind a sense of, of of Trump. So I think he's ambivalent to tech. He mm-hmm. admires that they've built something yeah. of value. Yeah. He gets that they're fueling his stock market, uh, and yet he probably disagrees with their uh, liberal pluralistic values. Yeah, and he loves to go after Amazon, yeah. which is yeah. fascinating. But how has the has the Democratic Party shifted away from tech? Because as Democratic Party will eventually get back in power, this right. is how. Probably. Who knows? I've noticed from Cory Booker or from different people I interview, it's a much more negative take. Yeah, so is my, it because of the election? Is it because? So I, I, I think it's uh, and I'm maybe nuance doesn't work in modern day mm-hmm. politics, but my view is it shouldn't be either or. Right. It, it went from kind of 
tech is going to save the world, is going to bring democracy around the world, is going to— Eric Schmidt gets to eat in the White House dining room, yeah. You know, uh, is going to be this answer to all of these problems. And now it's gone, I think, too far the other way, where uh, you literally have the no-labels group or some of these people starting out, and the problem is uh, tech's big and tech's bad— and I, I, I don't actually genuinely intellectually have either extreme view. I think the reality is that the digital knowledge economy has an extraordinary potential. Mm-hmm. It can connect us in extraordinary ways. It makes the electorate potentially more educated than ever before. Think of this one point. In the 1940s, the average American, uh, white American had nine years of education, African American four years of education. Mm-hmm. Today, the average uh, white American has about 13 years of education, average African-American, 12.5 years of education. Mm -hmm. We're the most educated society in human history. Mm -hmm. There's no reason that these platforms can't get people more expressive doing things, Mm -hmm. having their own podcasts, having their own views. I think in the long run, it's a good thing. But it its biggest problem is exclusivity. Mm -hmm. There are communities, the African-American community, rural America, middle America, women that have been excluded Mm -hmm. from this extraordinary potential. And its second big issue is uh, defining the rules of uh, citizenship and and, and privacy Mm -hmm. uh, in a way that has some ethics standards. Right. right? I mean, for them to just say, you can't have it both ways. Right. You can't be Facebook and say, we are bringing democracy around the world. Right. How often did you hear Zuckerberg oh. say that? We're responsible for the Arab yeah. Spring. And then say, well, we're not a media company. No, we're just yeah. we're just a platform. We're oh, they're about, a media company. You know, I mean, I yeah. mean come on. You can't, you can't say— And then we've caused all this problem in the right. Philippines or Indonesia yeah. or stuff like that. And so, okay, if you are a media company, then I'm, we're not saying be like a newspaper and, right. uh, and make sure that you fact-check every post— but if I were to post on Rokana's site that since I got elected to Congress, uh, the, the there's been 10 percent economic growth in my district, and that's a great thing, and please reelect me because of that, you know, the New York Times or the San Jose Mercury News would say Rokana goes a bit crazy, and they would mm-hmm. have two people saying how I'm lying and I'm absurd. Mm-hmm. If I put it on Facebook and I start getting all these uh, shares and, 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 and likes— there's, at some point, it, it's not asking Facebook too much to say, okay, if it crosses a certain threshold, have some verification, have some ethics check, take some— Well, interestingly, they don't want that responsibility. They've talked about it excessively, like that they don't—Mark uh, talks about it. I don't want to sit at my desk and make these decisions. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. But, but, but the default is making a decision, right? Mm-hmm. They're, they're claiming they're value neutral, but their value neutrality— is basically saying it's a, a pr- value. Is a value right. and uh, newspapers and newspapers. It wasn't that we regulated newspapers. Mm-hmm. It was that we had ethics in newspapers, mm-hmm. right? Right. Why do journalists? Why would a journalist not uh, quote me without asking for two quotes saying I was crazy if I said I was responsible for ten percent mm-hmm. economic growth? Not because they'd fear mm-hmm. being sued. Right. Not because of the legal framework. Because they grew up with some sense of ethics that they right. have an obligation to the. To the public. Right. Well, Facebook should hire, in my view, 50 deans of journalism from Columbia and Northwest mm-hmm. and others to rethink, to create a new ethics for mm-hmm. new media platforms. It may not be That's the same as newspapers, but if they want to really lead, right, as opposed to, well, we create a, answered the hard blog questions and we did third-party verification. Mm-hmm. And part of it is these are really tough questions, right? right. So right now they've come out with this sense of, well, rate uh, news sources. Oh, God, you don't know. <laughs> you know? I have gone round after round with those executives on that one. Right. 
And so if so, what is the value of Kara's podcast? If if people like the podcast, then it must be true, right? Mm -hmm. And the and you think, well, is that really the value of truth? Right. I mean, so the New York Times should have a rating for its reporters, and the most popular reporters right. would be the no, the ones that get the no most sense. credibility. So if you're writing about Meghan Markle's uh, uh, wedding, then then you're, you're credible. credible. But if you're writing about Rokana's EITC plan and you don't get any likes, then you're not credible. Right. And I, and part of me makes me think: Is it that they're not well-intentioned, or is it that they just never took a class in philosophy or literature? Well, or it's interesting. It's a very you know, interesting question. They literally believe that. And I, I was like, you cannot, you have to make decisions about things. Adults make decisions. They make choices. And I think what they like to do is pretend they, they're happy to take the money. They're happy to take the status. They're happy to take the power, but they're not happy to take the responsibility that comes with that power. And I, I it is, and literally they can convince themselves you know, when Tim Cook made that comment on a, on the MSNBC right. show I did, yeah. that I wouldn't be in this situation. Instead of listening to his entire answer, he gave a very cogent he very answer. Thoughtful. He's one of the more thoughtful people. Thoughtful. Like, yeah. Here's why. This is why we think it's important. The first thing they did was, oh, he's just trying to make his business better. Right. That may be, but that doesn't mean he didn't say something worth listening to. They were, iPhones are expensive. That was their next argument. Like, well, he's running a company right. where things are expensive. I'm like, newsflash, iPhones are, like, this is not news to anybody who's bought an iPhone. Yeah. Again, not the point. And instead of going, which I would have expected an adult to do, is, wow, he's got, he's, he's a pretty prominent, important guy and right. is thoughtful and has run a pretty good company there. Maybe we should listen to him. Right. For a second, didn't occur to them once. And Tim Cook, you know, when you talk to him, as, mm -hmm. as you have, his mm -hmm. two idols are John mm -hmm. Lewis and Mahatma Gandhi, right? Yeah. So you get him, he cares or thinks about... Well, he's an adult. I don't know how else to put it. Broader, broader world. Right. And if Zuckerberg had come to him and said, you know, iPhones cost a lot of money and there is a trade-off between privacy... Uh, and uh, and and cost, and we're making that trade off, and maybe new platforms can emerge that will charge a five fifteen dollars subscription, mm -hmm. but will give greater privacy protections. And this is a trade off that we need to balance in our model. No, it's, but not, it's not it's not it's not thoughtful. It's they're just, not interested in reflection. They're not. Yeah. They're, they start from a crouch instead of a wait a minute we've made a mistake. They're too cohesive as a group of people. They all agree with each other, which is, I think is always a problem right. in any organization. And then they don't think they're they don't have responsibility for what they've done. It's it's as basic as that. So when we get back, I want to talk about more about the Internet Bill of Rights and what you're going to do with it, because I think what's important is to understand, like, where it goes. Yes. Because I think one of the things that has been very hard is the regulation of tech has to be done in a way that's very careful. Although every other industry has been regulated, this one has not at all. You're absolutely right. In any way. Can, no. can you think of the, the, you, that they've no, left and, and, this and, big an in industry? No, it hasn't been regulated. And the things that probably will get, people are getting behind, oh, let's have the Disclose Act. And I love Amy Klobuchar's bill. I'm on it. But mm -hmm. that is, uh, that's like saying if you were going to regulate traffic to say, well, don't put traffic lights or stop signs. Okay, let's just do uh, some minor lanes, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's such a small Regulation. The question is, how are we going to actually regulate tech? And, and we haven't done anything. All right, we're going to talk about that more with uh, Congressman Ro Khanna. He represents California's 17th districts. He's working on an Internet Bill of Rights, and we're talking about legislation and how that impacts innovation. Our friends at The Verge have just launched new podcasts hosted by Casey Newton. Here's Casey to tell you more about it. Hello, listeners of Recode Decode. This is Casey Newton, Silicon Valley editor of The Verge. Last year, I got to guest host this show. 
This year, I talk people into letting me do my own podcast. It's called Converge. Each week, we'll bring you fresh ideas and a sense of what it's like to build a company from the people who are actually doing it. And we'll do it all with games that no one has ever played. It's like HQ trivia if there was only one contestant and it was literally impossible to win money. So far, we've got guests lined up from Google, Lyft, Pocket, and that bodega near your house. You know, the one with the weird cat? The first episode drops Wednesday, May 23rd, wherever you get your podcasts. Converge. You've never heard a tech show like this. I'd also like to tell you about my other podcast, Too Embarrassed to Ask. Every week, we answer your questions about consumer tech and the week's news. This week, I talked to professional lacrosse player and entrepreneur, Paul Rabel. Paul, what's the favorite thing we talked about on this episode? Wow. That's a great question. I, I enjoyed the whole thing. It yeah. feels like a cop-out, but yeah. I, I, I love techie. talking. Yeah. You're, you know a lot about a lot of tech. Well, thank you. Coming from you especially. <laughs> that means but, a lot. And we're here with my son, Louis, too. Um, so one of the, the couple of things we talked about were equipment. Broadcast media. Broadcast media. Where, equipment, wearable technology, um, the experience for the sport. fan, the experience for the player, high-performance improvement using new tech. We talked about my investment portfolio. We talked yeah. about my foundation. All kinds of things. It was a lot of fun. You're not just a lacrosse player, are you? No. No. But that's, <laughs> Maybe that's done. one of the stereotypes that we're trying to address here. <laughs> yeah, You've done pretty well with that. Anyway, you can find Too Embarrassed to Ask on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. That's Too Embarrassed to Ask. See you there. We're back with Congressman Ro Khanna. He represents California's 17th district, which is pretty much the internet district, right? It's all of them. They're yes. all in there, aren't they? Yeah. Is there a company? We got, we got nurses and teachers and all that. I know that. But. We're going to talk about them in a minute. But I want to talk about this idea of regulation of tech um, right. because that's really what you're talking about yes. eventually. Yes. This is something they have resisted they, forever, yes. even despite the Microsoft trial, which was 20 years ago, really. It was 20 years ago. Um, despite all the attempts to throttle back um, tech. It hasn't had any significant legislation. It has um, not. And, you know, Roger McNamee, and I don't agree with everything mm-hmm. McNamee says, but mm-hmm. he had a very good point. He said the 1956 IBM consent decree, which mm-hmm. uh, allowed, basically it said to uh, AT&T consent mm-hmm. decree, which said that Western Digital needed to share their patents. And mm-hmm. their patents were, for transistors, really mm-hmm. led to the uh, spawning of Silicon Valley. Mm-hmm. And so in the past, uh, the regulation of industries, whether it was AT&T, whether it was IBM, uh, whether it was Microsoft, mm-hmm. has actually Absolutely. spawned competition. Got them out of the way. There's a yeah. plug in the in the hole of innovation. Uh, what's interesting now is that you, instead of just a single company, though, which those were all cases of that, you have um, separate companies that right. are all powerful in their own way. Amazon, Google, uh, Facebook, Apple, right. essentially. And they're all powerful but you couldn't say one of them dominates. They all dominate, which is really a different situation. So it's super hard to do, say, uh, you know, I know uh, Secretary Mnuchin was talking about the idea of, uh, um, what was he saying, regulating one of oh, Google or something, breaking it up or something like that. He should keep his mouth shut. Yeah, <laughs> as far well, as I'm Mnuchin, Mnuchin yeah. also said we don't have to worry about automation right. because it's not happening for the right. last 50 well, years. Well, we'll get to that at the yeah. end. Yeah, he's, he, <laughs> well, he should not speak. Well, one point which way. I would have told him is, you know, 90% of our GDP go, used to go to income. Mm-hmm. 56 or 60% goes now. What do you think? That wasn't automation? I mean, right. so I just wonder, how do they get these people to be running the country's treasury yeah, department? Well, yeah, that's, that's a, a good point. That's another <laughs> That's another good point. But when you're talking about this regulation, they, they it's harder to do when you have this many companies this powerful. And so you literally can't point to one that's making trouble. They're all making trouble. And if you talk to them, as I know you do, they are actually paranoid with competing with each other. Now, mm-hmm. I'm not saying... I don't that, think they compete at all. That, that, that that's the case, but they are... <laughs> 
you talk to Apple or Google or others, and, I, and they will spend more time saying how they're different and the other ones are the, mm-hmm. the, the, the bad actors. And I said, well, from the— Which you get a sense that they're yes. different. They are. They yes. do have, like, Apple is different than Facebook. Yes. So how do you then, when you put regulation in place, you were talking about Europe, which is highly regulated. You right. have Marguerite Vestager just right. on their tail. Yeah. She's not going away. I, right. They're like, oh, we're going to shake her. I'm like, you're not shaking that woman. <laughs> Until she has you down. Right. She's going to have you down. But here you have Europe doing this a lot of regulation. Right. And then here, zero. They let the FTC, whatever agency, just lets them go every time they get near something. Right. And the FTC doesn't have the staff and they don't have the the resources. And I personally, I mean, there's a different opinion. I wouldn't wholesale adopt the European regulatory model. I do Mm -hmm. think that there's something to the the First Amendment innovation. But mm-hmm. the answer can't be if out of a scale of 1 to 10, Europe's regulation's a 9, we're at a 0. Mm-hmm. I mean, why can't we get to a 4 mm-hmm. or a 5? Mm-hmm. And and there's some very, very simple things we could do. We should have, for example, mergers, right? In retrospect, we should have looked when Facebook was saying, I'm going to buy up Instagram and buy up WhatsApp. Mm-hmm. These were direct competitors. Mm-hmm. Why was there not any None. any sense of... Okay, should we review this merger? Even if we're going to approve this merger, should there be a tax because mm-hmm. of the cost on society? So why? Why? Because I think that there was a sense of zero price monopolies. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't charge a price. There's no problem with it. Mm-hmm. And uh, Robert Bork defined antitrust law to be all about consumer welfare. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was a turn for the worse. And basically under Bork's definition, if someone wasn't getting a, uh, charging a price— It didn't matter. And it goes to lived experience, right? When I uh, have to go buy an EpiPen because I've got allergies and I realize, wow, it could cost Mm $4,000, but I have insurance. Uh, Folks who don't have insurance, they say, we don't want to pay $3,000 for medicine or Mm -hmm. 1000 bucks." Those pharmaceutical companies, they're evil. They're Mm -hmm. my grandmother, my mom is not getting my Mm -hmm. son. Is it getting medicine because of that? That's something very, very tangible. When it's the Internet and you're not paying anything and you're saying, yeah, but there are these costs of propaganda. There's a cost of privacy. It's a bit more abstract. And I think that's what's made it. So that's why they've not done anything. Is is there lobbying intents in that regard? Or they certainly have have, uh, muscled up in that area. They, they they have and they 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 certainly are uh, are on the hill. But I'm not convinced that that is what is uh, preventing uh, the regulation. I think one, it's a lack of full understanding. Mm-hmm. It's a lack of prioritizing uh, going and 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 doing doing something about it. There's the divide between the legacy companies, the AT and T, Comcast, mm-hmm. and the edge providers, Facebook, Google, and. Uh, and, and Amazon, and I think that those divisions are partly what's uh, causing the gridlock. But it's, I don't think it's as simple as saying, well, Google is lobbying, and that's why someone isn't going to regulate them. Right. All right. And so so you create this Bill of Rights. Yeah. Which could, you I presumably don't want it a watered-down version where it says nothing, right? That no. It doesn't, that it, no, then that, I'll get blasted da- by people like you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but that's a danger. That's yes. a danger here. Yes. It's like it's sort of a catch-all. Right. You know, is it, a, is it a dessert topping? Is it a floor wax kind of thing? Right. I don't know what it is. That's an old Saturday Night Live joke yeah. you may not know. But um, <laughs> so you, you want to have some certain, people have the right to privacy online. Like, people have the right to, so th- those kind of things will be in there. What else belongs in there? The, the right to knowing your data, I think, is mm-hmm. critical. And that is a key part because you can then request 
information about how people obtained your data, Mm -hmm. if they're going to give your data away, the right to consent in a meaningful way. And that's the one that's most controversial. Uh, These tech companies don't want consent part Mm -hmm. of it. And so for the because they it's a it's a it's a step. It's a because it's a huge burden on them to have people having to consent. And so at one point, I I'm not going to mention the names, but there were some of these lobbyists uh, or people from these companies were in there and they said, Ro, you can't have consent. You're going to have to click on everything, click on uh, every time you see an ad and and you don't want consent. And I said, look at the language. It says consent uh, if you collect information or you give it to a third party. It doesn't say consent on every use case. Mm -hmm. And they kind of paused. And I said, yeah, that distinction matters. But here's the point. It's not you have to be able to push back with Mm -hmm. them because they they will come up with a extreme case. Mm -hmm. And then that's what happened in the hearings. And then the the, some of the members of Congress, they didn't push back that one extra level. And it doesn't require I'm a lawyer by training. Mm -hmm. I don't have. I, I, it's not like I know how to code or have worked at these companies. It's just doing the homework and saying, right. uh, here's where we need to push back. Uh, so I, we're going to get a number of these principles that are going to have teeth. Mm-hmm. Uh, the goal is then to, to get the thoughtful tech leaders. I think, you know, I, I'm lobbying to, to see if we can get Tim Cook and others out for it because uh, I think that will send a big message that something mm-hmm. can happen. Once we get the principles, uh, then uh, I think— uh, it, it will be time for draft legislation. Right. That legislation is going to have to go through the Energy and Commerce Committee. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you can get the principles, then I think once the Democrats hopefully are in charge. And then in the Senate. In the Senate, it's going to have to go through the Energy and Commerce Committee. And who is there? there? Who is the person you're working with on the Senate side? Well, on the Senate side, we have an, you know, they have their own own process. So we've been very uh, house uh, house specific. But I mean, obviously, they're thoughtful people. They're like Ed Markey and uh, mm-hmm. uh, Amy Klobuchar, uh, Senator Kennedy, Senator uh, Warner, yeah. Senator Warner. Uh, but I, our focus is my focus is: can we get the House Caucus with some of these principles? Can I get some of the tech leaders to to endorse the framework? Uh, and then can and we, the groups against the tech and, leaders and the groups against them. So Center for uh, Public Knowledge, Center uh, Democracy and Technology. I've met with Open Markets Institute. I've met with Free Press, the Electronic Frontier Foundation. Can we come up with some uh, compromise uh, legislation uh, principles? And then let's start the legislative process and get uh, Frank Pallone, who's the ranking member. Uh, and Mike Doyle, who's— So I was just going to say, there's a thing called the Republicans. How yeah. are they on this? I think we can make progress with the Republicans. Right now, the the, the, the reality is the Republicans have been very sympathetic to the AT&Ts and Comcast and uh, the Internet service providers, and that's just been the divide the that they have. So uh, they are— less uh, concerned about privacy. I mean, AT&T has got the AT&T Bill of Rights, mm-hmm. uh, which is a little bit uh, laughable, if you ask mm-hmm. me. But you We're about to have Randall Stevenson yeah. on stage. At court. I'll yeah. ask him about it. Yes, yeah, and ask him about the uh, the Michael Cohen stuff. Too. Oh, no, he's not happy about that. He's yeah. going to have to answer those questions. Right. I, I'm not, you know, people are like, oh, I can't believe he did that. I'm like, of course he did it. Why wouldn't he do it? Like, it doesn't, it makes perfect right. sense to me. And he should just them. disclose it. The one thing I will give, the, it, look, I've been critical of AT&T and a lot of the net neutrality mm-hmm. issues, others, but maybe one of the interesting things someone told me he was doing is taking linemen mm-hmm. at AT&T, giving them uh, full paid credentialing and education and getting them jobs in a, in a totally uh, different field and a different career. Mm-hmm. And that'd be interesting if you have him on to see yeah. how that's worked. Yeah, yeah. 
they're in a hard position in lots yeah. of ways running. It's big as it is. It's got challenges everywhere you go. I would not want to, That's a tough company to run. But when you have all these competing, like I said, so you get the Republicans in on it, you feel like they're interested in it? Because it seems like they're interested in nothing, like almost nothing. There are some of the libertarian members who are interested in privacy, but then they default on those committees to defining privacy the way AT&T, Comcast, and the Internet service providers define it. Mm -hmm. And they basically want to go after the Facebooks, Googles, and social media companies Mm -hmm. because they feel like those companies have made billions of dollars and they're not getting their fair share. And it becomes, when it devolves into the congressional debate, the Internet service providers versus the edge providers. Mm -hmm. If it was, if you took that out of it and you said, let's just get the basic principles and not privacy, privacy, I think there will be some that that, uh, could be sympathetic. But I do think that the bill, and I'm sympathetic to Frank Pallone, who's the ranking member's Mm -hmm. point, that the bill should start, especially if we have the majority, when we have the majority, so you don't get some totally watered-down privacy bill, Mm -hmm. which is what the Republicans would propose, Mm -hmm. that uh, allows them to claim they've done something and not have any of these real principles. Um, I'm going to finish up talking about what then comes next. If if these companies are regulated, they're facing enormous competition in China from all across the world. Are you worried about the—I'm using—I'm doing their side. Yeah, no. The the tamping down of innovation. I think it's a canard on their behalf. Well, look, I mean, this is where I— uh, I say we don't need to go the full GDPR. I mean, right. and, and which tends to benefit them because they have all those lawyers, right? Uh, that, not smaller companies. That, that is true, but I, I don't think that the regulations on privacy uh, or the regulations about data are going to have some mass exodus from Facebook or uh, or, or Google. Or is going to impose some huge costs on them. They're going to. They have. They have been such beneficiaries because of creativity, innovation, genius in some cases, but also based and the internet. Thank you very much, and the federal the, government. Yeah, and the federal government, but benefiting from this trend and this mm-hmm. change of the economy. I mean, they 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 have gone. They have a two billion people. I'm not that concerned uh, about their ability to innovate. I will defend them when it says when people say. Uh, okay, let's just break them up because they're too big without any thought or let's treat them like a utility. But if they want to avoid that. So you don't believe in breaking them up? Uh, I mean, not not wholesale, no. I don't think. Uh, or, uh, I not think, yet. <laughs> not yet. I mean, if there are ways, uh, you know, I wouldn't have approved the WhatsApp merger. I mm-hmm. wouldn't have approved the, uh, uh, the, the merger with uh, uh, Instagram. And I certainly think it ought to be reviewed. But I... And I don't think they ought to be treated like a utility where they'll have a guaranteed rate of profit and have right. the, the, the government— Or the strictures that, say, Comcast has on them. Right. right. But I do think that if they want to avoid that and if they want to avoid the anti-immigrant backlash and they want to avoid the anti-globalization backlash, they need to get ahead of gaining the public trust uh, by supporting and really implementing privacy uh, policies and uh, taking seriously— uh, their their obligation to having a reasonable democratic conversation, not having false lies and propaganda, mm-hmm. and considering jobs. And I think they don't understand how much they have to lose. And maybe I get it because I'm in a body that has 8% approval rating. Mm-hmm. People don't trust members of Congress. No. They don't trust politicians. Tech is on the precipice. They mm-hmm. have some of the highest approval ratings any industry has had. That I, If I were in one of those... Positions, I would say, wow, 
What an asset in a time where people don't trust yeah. anyone. Oh, it's definitely headed down. It's and it's heading down. I've noticed that among my kids, I was literally in an elevator, and two elevator guys were talking about Facebook privacy. Yeah. And I was like, what? Like, and it, I mean, the numbers show it's fallen, and Facebook's mm-hmm. pri- brand has fallen. But wouldn't you want to get ahead of that? Wouldn't you want to say— Of that, course. And and that's what I don't get. And and I think that there's—they mishandled—I mean, they should have had Zuckerberg testify a year ago. They mm-hmm. They don't— they dragged their feet and didn't turn out that badly for oh, them. Oh, you've never seen the Facebook slow roll of everything? <laughs> yeah, you've been slow rolled. You don't right. even know it. They yes. do it. No, no. I mean, it's, yeah. uh, if there's any lesson they should learn, I think it should be overcorrect. Unless something is an existential threat to your business, mm-hmm. do it. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if something is really an existential threat, fine. But is it going to be an existential threat to have stronger privacy regulations? No. Mm-hmm. Is it going to be an existential threat to allow other platforms to emerge and have some competition? Mm-hmm. No. Mm-hmm. Is it going to be an existential threat to think about what you could do for job creation and, and, and the fact that when John Lewis is saying in an op-ed I wrote that technology rights are the new civil rights, mm-hmm. that you have whole communities that don't have equity Absolutely. in our in the new economy, is that going to kill you to, to do things there? No. So do the things you can do mm-hmm. which aren't going to be existential threats to your business. Mm-hmm. And I think there are there is a spectrum. I think people, there are some people like Tim Cook, uh, and he's not perfect, but who, are, who get that, who talk about a business and moral, a moral responsibility. responsibility. And lastly, uh, jobs. You just met, you've mentioned them a couple of times, and you and I have talked about this before, and you know it's one of my big issues. I do. Is automation, robotics, AI, uh, self-driving, all these things. Where is Congress going to be on that, on that issue? We've got a... Because who's I mean, you know, who's responsible is my big thing. Is it the tech companies? Is it citizenry? Is it Congress? Is it government? Like, where is the responsibility? I think it's all of the above, but I think Congress needs to lead. One of the things we ought to do is uh, create tech institutes across America. There's a National Science Foundation mm-hmm. has a grant uh, that does this in 60 to 70 places. But like the land-grant colleges, let's create these institutes uh, across America that's not going to just teach people to code, but is going to give them credentialing and certification if they want to become an auto repair mechanic, mm-hmm. if they want to become, in West Virginia, do outdoor recreation but have the technology right, skills. The data. Uh, let's create subsidized employment where they get the opportunity to, to get a job. Uh, let's figure out how we can bring anchor companies through federal government mm-hmm. grants uh, into places that don't have them. And mm-hmm. then if I were a tech company, uh, I would think about uh, what can I do symbolically uh, to get more people in, invested in, uh, in, in the digital economy success. Two quick, two, two, two quick points. When Hillary was running, I told uh, John Podesta, I was just a candidate, I said, instead of coming out for the 15th fundraiser in my district— you know, have one of these tech leaders go out and announce 500 jobs in Ohio. And he said, well, that'll be PR. It's like the carrier deal. It's not really substantive. Well, first of all, the guy who did the PR won. The reason he, he won is because he, he sent a signal to people that he cared about them. Mm-hmm. And this struck me when I was in Oakland in Merritt College and uh, they had asked me to help set up some internships for mm-hmm. at, at companies. And, and Facebook, to their credit, uh, took a few of these kids who were doing cybersecurity. And I talked to one of them, and he, he said, oh, thanks for making that introduction. And I said, oh, great. He said, let me tell you what that meant. Uh, I'm an uh, uh, auto repair mechanic. I think building is building, whether you build cars or you build on uh, mm-hmm. a computer platform. I've got a young kid. I've got a family. I take this class uh, in the weekends, and I do my homework, uh, and it, it ends up adding 30 hours to my week. 
And there are many, many days that I think, is it really worth it? Well, after I did that internship, uh, I'm not going to quit, right? So many people like me, we saw opportunity at every stage of our life. Mm-hmm. When I was in college, when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. And so when you have the the breakups, when you have the hardships, you keep going because you know that there is light at the end of the tunnel. Mm-hmm. For so many Americans, they don't see the light. They don't see the future. Mm-hmm. And They're yes, scared of the future. And yes, it's symbolism. But the symbolism matters. It says you can do this too. And I think so. I think the tech companies can engage in some of the symbolism, but also uh, it may, really thinking about distributed networks of jobs. But they need the federal government uh, to partner, and the federal government has to have a huge role. In and, and to think about this. regulation. Like I was just, I was at a parent teacher meeting the other day, and it was about we were talking, we ultimately get to the whether kids should code argument in every parent, you know, in these groups of parents and stuff. Right. And it goes on and on. And it's sort of like, I can't believe we're still arguing about it. Of course, it's the language. But it doesn't mean that's just coding, not just, and that often defaults to a certain kind of student kind of thing. It was more, you know, one of the examples was that we were giving was, look, think of self-driving cars. They're coming, period, period, end, end of story. They're yes. coming. We're going to have them. How do we want to regulate them? Who wants to design them? How are the algorithms going to go into them? Who's making them? And then who makes those decisions about those? Because just a simple thing, facial recognition. Who's designing? What's happening around facial recognition? People of color are getting left out of this. They're not getting oh, recognized as quickly. No. You know, because it's being designed by a certain kind of guy, like a white guy no. who's designing it, making the decisions that are important to them. And they can't help it because that's no. where they are. But if you could take it to um, an extreme... When they're doing facial recognition and it's not as good at finding people of color, they will run over you. Like, it's not just they won't pick you up. The cabs won't pick you up. They'll run That's over you now. Point. You think about it. Like, if they're not thinking of those issues. And the same thing on Twitter. Like, well, I, I, I remember being with a Twitter engineer. Like, oh, I have never been abused on Twitter. I was like, I understand <laughs> that. But everybody else is being. Like, yeah. they didn't think. They didn't correct for anything that they didn't understand. So instead we get, in San Francisco, we get scooters and really great takeout. <laughs> what, who likes scooters and really great takeout? Right. No, I mean, it's a, uh, these are social platforms and including, excluding half the population right. has right. consequences. Right, so it's just a thought process. Yeah, it's it a, very, it's a really thoughtful way of putting um, Or it. if you think about the Me Too stuff, the, the, the two stories that broke yeah. them, a bunch of women and a gay man broke those stories. Why? Right. It, it, there's a link. There's a there's. They understand victimization. They they've been sure. victimized. They have, and it doesn't mean they're victims. It doesn't mean they want to whine about it. But they saw it right. when and you the, can't the see abuse it. And so of I power. think that's that's one of the things. Same thing with congressmen. When I saw that group of people asking questions, I was like, these are not the people that but, need to be asking the questions. Well, Kara, I think maybe I, I I'd support I'm a Kara for Congress <laughs> for a Senate campaign if you do decide to get in. Yeah. But I th- here's here's. I want to well, be governor. I want to be Gavin Newsom. Gavin, pre- I'm taking your job. You know, or no. president, 2020. <laughs> no, thank you. Know, you. There's, here, here's, I think, Do you think those tech people are not going to run for office now? I think it's harder, don't you? After, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think Zuckerberg's presidential hopes may have gotten dashed. If yeah. nothing, there may not be regulation, but uh, it'd be tough to see that. Uh, but I, here's, I think, why it's scary and why that hearing which you and I both mm-hmm. shared frustrations for mattered more than we even think. People understand what you're saying, that we have this whole future coming, Mm -hmm. and they're scared about it. They're Mm -hmm. scared about what the rules are going to be, and they're scared about what jobs they're going to have. And so they see a bunch of people, all of us, who are supposed to help chart that future, and they say, wow, we got no confidence in them to help Mm -hmm. navigate this. You know what? 
let's just default to the guy who's saying we can keep the past, Donald Trump. Right. You know, the only way they're going to not default to that nostalgia is if they have confidence that these people in Washington, the people, they know what they're doing about the future, and they're going to make sure that future right. is better 100%. for us. 100%. And I think that's where there was such a a, a, a blow to, to people who are seeing their elected officials not know this. And I, you know, that's why, I mean, I, I think we need more folks to spend time on in Silicon Valley and tech le- on these tech platforms and really have the confidence to push back. Right. I mean, that's right. It's true. It was yeah. interesting. I was in Kentucky. I was talking to a bunch of coal mining people and my family is coal mining background. And yeah. they were like, well, he's gonna, he said he's going to bring jobs. They said, let me just explain something to you. It's going to be done by robots, and it should be done by robots. Yeah. And I'm sorry to tell you that, but you shouldn't be coal, humans shouldn't be coal mining. Humans shouldn't be putting things in boxes. Humans shouldn't be doing a lot of jobs that are either dangerous or stupid or mind-numbing. And they're not going to be, because guess what? These big businesses, they're not hiring you to do that if robots can do it faster. Well, there's a brilliant philosopher, Roberto Unger, who is a Brazilian minister, and he has this whole thing about the knowledge economy being unleashing human creativity and ingenuity mm-hmm. and making the work that is uh, harmful to, to people less necessary. But his whole point is right now that's only working for like 10 percent. Right. And so if you're not getting to Absolutely. participate in this new economy, mm-hmm. you're, you're going to uh, be very suspicious. I went to West Virginia. Uh, yeah, you did the to, silicon. To, to tech. And so I asked Holler. one of these coal miners kids who was doing tech, I said, what would your brothers who are in coal say to me? And, and they said, well, we go 10 feet under and get dirt on our face. They tell that California congressman so his state can get electricity. Mm-hmm. And I said, so do they think coal is going to be there? He said, no, they get that it's uh, temporary, but there's a, mi- a small resurgence right now. And there's not a clear vision of something else, right? Mm-hmm. Why aren't we pouring billions of dollars into mm-hmm. West Virginia to create new industries, new jobs? Right? We're saying transition but then we're not giving them what the transition is. Yeah. So do you blame them for saying we'll pick the, the guy we'll cling on to the past? Yeah. I mean, no, I don't. And that's a topic for next time. Yeah. We have lots more to talk about because you then you think get into universal basic income, whether we should work 40 hours a week. Why do we work for it? And then we didn't even get to tech uh, addiction. But we'll do that next time because um, that legislation's coming, I'm guessing. And it should come. You know, I really talk about my, my son. He's 10 months old, and it's amazing to me with, with all the toys, he still goes for the iPhone. iPad. Or the iPad. iPad. iPhone. Yeah. Yep. And yeah. so there's something to it. It's like sugar. <laughs> Give, have you given your kid sugar yet? No. no. What, well, Give what? them ice cream and watch what happens. It's really quite a, oh, it's yeah. the same thing. It's the exact same thing. There's something in your brain that just is so attracted to it. But don't, wait, take some time. Trust me, I have two teenagers, and I, I, getting them away from Snapchat is literally like cutting their arms off. They it's, huh. That's the same thing. Right. But hopefully Snapchat won't be around for your kid. We'll see. Anyway, it was great talking to you, uh, Congressman. um, And thanks for coming on the show. And you'll be back again and again, I hope. If you enjoyed the interview as much as I did, be sure to subscribe to the show. You can find more episodes of Recode Decode on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Or just visit recode.net slash podcast for more. If you have a minute, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and tell other people about the show. This helps them discover great interviews just like this one. Now that you're done with this, you should check out our other podcasts, Too Embarrassed to Ask and Recode Media with Peter Kafka. You can find those shows wherever you found this one. Thanks for listening to this episode of Recode Decode. Thanks to our editor, Joel Robbie, and our producer, Eric Johnson. I'll be back here on Monday. Tune in then. Today's show is brought to you by IBM. Technology today has never been smarter, but smart only matters when you put it to good use. Together, we can build a smarter future for all of us. Let's put smart to work. 
Find out how at ibm.com/smart.